Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about AI, so we can't ignore this topic. And even more, we are going to unite AI with art business. I think uh, all niches today uh, need to consider AI because if you ignore it, tomorrow competitors will overcome you, you know, to take your business, uh, take your customers. And today it's very important. And uh, our business is on the same boat. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Sam Davis. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward to learn more about that. Uh, Sam, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to implement AI in art. Wow, that's a lot. Um, so my name's Sam. I am actually a scientist by training. I got my PhD in 2015. I work as a conservation scientist for my day job. So I, I work to protect forests. Um, I needed a hobby. I was, I was a writer for a long time. I'm still a writer, but I needed something more. And so right before the pandemic in 2019, I started looking at AI as a way to kind of bring my creative ideas to life because I couldn't draw, right? Like I could, I could barely draw a stick figure. And so I looked at AI in 2019 and it was, it was making stuff that three-year-olds could draw. It was not very well put together. And I realized that I was actually going to have to learn how to draw. And so I did. And I ended up starting a sticker business in late 2019, um, selling my hand-drawn animations, but I've always had that eye to AI. And so then around summer of last year, there was this big breakthrough with um, generative art AI. So of course there's, um, there's chat GPT, which is super popular, which is like you put in an input and you get a text output, but art AI was a little bit behind. And so it took a little bit of time, but eventually uh, in summer of last year, we were finally able to give a computer a text input and get an image output that actually made sense. And that was super cool. And so when that happened, I started um, kind of reorienting my business towards AI because I, not that I've always been in it to make money per se, but money is like an important part, right? And AI helps you scale. Um, so I'm a, I'm a one person shop. I don't have any employees. And many of the designs I make maybe only sell five, 10, 15, 20 um, in any given year. So they're all pretty low volume. But with AI, I'm able to create better designs quicker and get them out. So my goal is volume of designs and AI really helps me do that. Nice, nice. Uh, I have the first question about creativity. You know, people uh, complain about AI because it's not creative. It's generic, especially if we are talking about uh, writing or generating text, because uh, it's a great, the best tool, rewriting tool. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, grammar is good, but nothing special, nothing new. Uh, and of course, we can use AI in the right way. For example, I uh, don't write text with AI, but I edit text with AI. I can translate them. So many uh, things I can do with AI. Can you tell how to use AI in the right way in art? Because people need creativity. And let me share a story. Uh, it's a famous story about uh, a book offer. Um, uh, uh, the offer of book uh, 
let me remind the story. Uh, you know, uh, he, uh, the author published a book uh, 11 years ago. He couldn't sell this book uh, for a long time. He spent some time uh, with marketing sales, but uh, sales were not good. Then his daughter published content on TikTok. Uh, uh, this video became viral. Plus 50 million people watch this video. Today, this book is uh, the bestseller on Amazon because the video was creative. It's interesting. Even with the account with zero followers, uh, people love this video. I watched this video. Uh, I can't tell that uh, it's nice looking design, but it's, it's creative. It's interesting to watch. And uh, what kind of problem we have with AI? It's not creative. Can you tell how to decide this issue? Because if you are going to implement AI, we need to uh be creative as well any insights about that yeah um if you're only using ai to generate a finished product you're using it wrong uh that goes for whether you're using a text generation or an art generation or even video generation i just saw runway um introduced a video ai platform um launched last night so you need to use ai almost as like a concept generator and so like i use ai as like concept art and then from there, I need to bring it into, say, Photoshop and clean it up. And some of that cleaning up is uh, getting rid of some artifacts, uh, cleaning up the background, upscaling because AI images tend to be super small. And then if I'm like taking it over into animation, which I'm learning now, I need to clean it up for that. Um, most of my stickers uh, and art designs tend to be very pun based. So I'll often add text to, to draw out the joke. Um, and then post it. Very rarely do I uh, use Midjourney to generate something and then just straight up post it somewhere. Um, not unless mm -hmm. I'm like looking for feedback. And the same is true for text and AI. I've been using like Jasper for a long time, which is a text AI generator. And yes, the grammar is okay. And the content is usually pretty great. But like people aren't on my website to look at content that AI created. They're looking for content that I create. And so, mm -hmm. like, it's very important that you have that post-editing process to make it your own and make it creative. And so, I, I mean, the same holds true for art. You you have to take it and make it yours. Otherwise, it's just going to be noise on the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you mentioned that you started to learn about AI in uh, 2019. Uh, like, you mean you're early adopter, you know, because I see people just learn about AI today after uh, this trending topic with ChatGPT, uh, but you started with Jasper. Uh, so can you tell uh, what kind of difference you have uh, by using Jasper or any other AI tool in ChatGPT? Why it's so popular today? Why uh, ChatGPT got 100 million users in two months? Yeah, it's insane. You know, for example, I compare data. Uh, the close competitor was Instagram uh, that uh, got the same number. Oh, I don't remember. It's like 10 months, something like this. So any insights about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think so. Jasper is what I kind of call a middle range generator. It's meant for businesses. It's not necessarily meant for individuals. And it's pricing mm -hmm. even back then was kind of way up there, right? Like if, if you have, I don't know, $500 US dollars in a month that you're trying to like allocate to hobbies, um, Jasper was like one fifth of that, right? It was like about a hundred bucks a month in the beginning. Um, and ChatGPT never has been. 
So from what I understand, ChatGPT's um, subscription is about 20 bucks a month. So you're paying, you know, a little bit more than what you'd pay for, say, Amazon Prime for access to AI. And so I think that that price point is why it's taken off. And also it's a little bit of a like going back to the source thing, which is interesting because we don't often see that with businesses. But like Jasper is built on OpenAI's technology. Jasper has a chat feature, which is just a wrapper around chat GPT. Um, and most of these AI tools are built on OpenAI's platform right now. OpenAI yeah. is by far the most popular. So going back to the source, actually just subscribing to and using OpenAI's chat GPT's tool is the cheapest you can get it, right? Cheapest dedicated use. So I think that's um, what caused kind of the, the massive surge. And then keep in mind, too, that articles were coming out left and right because we had kind of this AI revolution with um, GPT-3 and GPT-4 coming, and then followed right on that was mid-journey and stable diffusion and all these kind of art generators popping up. So AI really had its heyday last summer um, into the fall and winter. And I think that just, you know, everyone wants to try it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, sticker artist. You know, uh, can you tell how you can uh, stand out from the rest? Because, you know, I see... Uh, when people just replicate existing uh, uh, artists that have uh, a success. And it's not only about art, uh, it's everywhere. Uh, people like to rewrite, uh, to create something that we have today. And for me, it's the same. Like, you know, I often ask my friends about a new movie. And the most common reply, uh, nothing special, you know, <laughs> nothing new. I, uh, I've, you know, they've seen the same plot. Uh, but uh, it's rarely to get uh, the reply. Wow, it's a new plot that was uh, surprising uh, plot. So any insights uh, how to stand out from the rest, uh, from your experience by using AI? Ooh, um, you know, so I think I think a lot of business success actually comes down to the basics of marketing and branding. So my my personal sticker business is very. Um, bright colors, bold lines, big shapes, big eyes, um, kind of a flat look to it. Um, again, with those like funny taglines, that's, that's kind of my thing. Um, and I've worked really hard to kind of build that brand. So for example, if you search mushroom sticker, which is a bad example, cause I don't have any mushrooms, but whatever, we'll go for it. So if you search mushroom sticker, you're going to see pages upon pages of kind of these like pastel, watercolor-ish, very pleasant mushrooms to look at. Um, if my brand were to do a mushroom sticker, I would find some sort of mushroom pun. And then my my mushroom design would kind of have all those elements that I talked about where I'm looking for flat colors or a flat design rather, bright colors, um, big eyes, big space, oversized head, funny tagline. And so like... Mm -hmm that it doesn't, you don't need to follow my brand to have success. And I wouldn't say I'm the most successful sticker artist by any means, but I'm consistent. And so like, if your brand is those pastel watercolor, fine art drawings, then you got to lean into that. And um, when you're using AI to generate your art, you got to include all of that. So um, very often what I do when I'm using AR, AI is I will um, write my design idea down. And then at the end, I'll tag on all these modifiers. And so I love using the modifier in Mid Journey as a pop art sticker. And it gives it a very specific color palette. 
Um, it tends to almost give it a, a discrete shape because a lot of popular stickers, including mine, are kiss cut. So, you know, they have the white border on the outside. Um, I'll use as a bright watercolor painting sometimes for some of my designs, but that does fall a little bit outside of my usual style. So you have to like think about how to tell the computer what you want it to do and then tag mm -hmm. it on. And a lot of these, um, a lot of these programs are so they'll accept a really long input, like way longer than you think about. So you can't just say a cute mushroom as a watercolor painting. You have to say a cute red and white mushroom as a pop art sticker with big eyes and blah, blah, blah. You have to make like a whole paragraph out of it. And that's what's going to get you the style that you want that you can then clean up and turn into a project. Mm -hmm. You know, once I watch how Elon Musk uh, asks questions on ChatGPT and uh, what I found, uh, he was specific as maximum as possible, provided a lot of details um, and he got this long answer, uh, interesting answer, uh, even he uh, likes this answer. So, uh, and you mentioned that you need to ask uh, Did, uh, the right questions or details. Can you tell your methods or prompts that you have to ask the right? Uh, I mean, like, uh, or to set up the right comments to AI tools to get what you want to get. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like a super big answer, right? But with our generators, um, your trick is really in the style of that's your, that's your magic word. So sometimes I'll do like in the mm -hmm. style of tea turtle, which is a website that produces really distinctive, you know, t-shirt designs. And that will generate something in that general style. Unless you're famous, you're probably not going to be able to reference your own style. So like, I can't say in the style of Sam Davis to mid journey, it's not going to know what I'm talking about, uh, which is fine. <laughs> But that means <laughs> that I need to look like in an art museum even, or an online art museum, if I really want to like nail down a style and see kind of what other pop art artists have done and what their styles look like and how are they similar to mine? And then how can I incorporate that in? And, you know, AI doesn't really care about punctuation. So the, the commas or the periods or stuff that you put in for your own comfort, it's going to read it all as one continuous text. And so I use the as a, or in the style of as kind of like a text separator that tells it, okay, I want this design in this way. And so that's how you do it there. And then on Jasper and ChatGPT, I, I always tell my colleagues that AI is a liar. Um, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't know truth from fiction. And so if you're talking about something that uh, has a lot of um, pre-existing knowledge on the internet, you're going to get a better answer than if you don't. And that's actually true in AI art too. So Um, I found that Midjourney has a real problem with bearded dragons, which are a, a pet lizard. Um, <laughs> it can't draw them. I don't know. I've, tried, I've been watching it since uh, version three, and it gets a little bit better each time, but especially the phrase bearded dragon, like sometimes you have to think about these phrases and then find new ways to say it. Because if you don't have this context of, oh, a bearded dragon is a pet lizard, then you're going to try to draw a dragon with a beard, right? That makes sense to the AI. And so with that word, trying to get it to produce better, um, better drawings, I'll, I'll use the scientific name instead, Pagona, which is the, the genus name. And that kind of gets it there, but not quite. And so AI does still have a, a way to go, but the more specific you can be. And then, you know, some of it's just experimenting too. 
right? Like if you put it in and you get a really bad answer, figure out which part of your prompt is causing that and then change it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, Midjourney has pretty much unlimited or close to unlimited prompts. You, you got to use it a lot to run out. So, you know, mm -hmm. use it as a tool and explore. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, uh, I'm interested how you uh, communicate with your customers because, you know, I see uh, when it's hard to transfer the right data to, de uh, to designers. You know, I cooperate with many website designers and uh, it depends on clients. Some clients want creativity, so they uh, don't, uh, I don't know, don't uh, ask, please, uh, do with all these details you know just uh, make to the point you know uh sometimes we can give the freedom to designers you know to uh, to provide their creativity because designers have experience how to simplify how to personalize uh, but um, it depends uh, as usual can you tell how to provide uh, I mean, like to give to your customers the right brief uh, or any forms uh, that can feel to ask what they wanna get, you know, because you know if uh, you don't understand the task, you can't create that they wanna get. So, any tips how to do it right? <laughs> I mean, I, my best advice really is to experiment, and that goes with mid journey. It goes with like your basic business marketing, everything. Um, you know, I think back to a couple of years ago when I was first starting to grow my business. And the, the gold standard was kind of Facebook followers at that point. And so I went for it and I ended up paying for some advertising. I got over a thousand followers, which felt like a good benchmark. And then Facebook still sucked um, for, for my art because Facebook sucks um, for, for businesses. Facebook exists to take business money without a lot of rewards. Uh, and so, you know, I've kind of switched, uh, not even so much Instagram, but really uh, TikTok. And then I have the challenge of how do I um, show these finished mid journey products on TikTok because a really popular way for artists to express themselves is like your procreate or whiteboard style videos where you have like an in progress painting, but with mid journey, you don't have that. Um, so, you know, I think there's just a lot of kind of in between and muddiness when it comes to artists, like sharing with customers, what their vision is and, um, you know, even helping other other artists figure out how to do it best. Um, you know, I think the best solution when you're first learning a tool like like Midjourney, um, Midjourney is great for this because it's set up in a Discord channel, is to just um, follow the community chats and see how other people are doing things, and then kind of copy them. Um, and the the community chats can also be really intimidating. They they move really fast. Because there's mm -hmm. a ton of people using Midjourney, you can always do your own experimentation in a in a uh, DM with Midjourney's bot. So you can keep kind of all your work there, and then keep your community channels open where you're just kind of watching and learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, in the beginning, you mentioned about that you uh, work hard to get results, and uh, about consistency. Can you tell how you understand? these words because I love them working hard for me uh, is uh, you know it's hard to get results without working hard but uh, you know uh, you need to work smart as well and uh, consistency uh, I see when people uh, 
are trying to implement many things. You know, they don't pay attention to priorities and, uh, you know, just like jack of all trades, master of none. So can you tell about how you understand working hard and consistency in your job? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, for the last few years, I've, I've classified myself as a, a relentless creative. Um, and by that, I mean, I have a daily practice of engaging with, with my business and my hobbies, which are kind of, mm -hmm. um, you know, art and writing. And so for the first year and a half of my business, I was actually pretty much producing designs daily in the last year or so. Um, I had a bunch of like family health stuff happen that kind of knocked my creativity down into the side. We had a lot of Mm -hmm. death and grieving and all that. And so I haven't been producing as much on the front end, but I've still been producing a lot on the back end. And, um, you know, when you're talking about like hustle culture, which is what a lot of this is, right? It's this idea, um, this dream of having a second income, like you can't just dream it, you have to do it. And so even when I'm in dreaming phase where I'm trying to like pick up a new skill or, um, really try to understand something that I don't understand yet. I always try to wrap up that learning session, um, which usually happens on the weekend with something concrete. And so a great example of that was this past weekend. Um, I decided uh, a problem I mentioned to you about like, how do I, how do I show movement and create videos for these 2d arts that I didn't draw? I just cleaned up. And so my thought was let's, let's try animation. Let's try 2d animation. Um, because I do still know how to draw, even though I use Midjourney for a lot. Um, so why don't I animate some stuff? And so I spent the weekend learning about Adobe After Effects, which is a really strange thing to learn for a 2D artist, but that's what I was doing. And by the end, I had created like a 15 second little video that I haven't published yet, but it has animation in it. And so like, I always try to, you have to actually do the thing that you're researching, even if what you do isn't um, a finished product. You have to apply it to retain it. And then you can move on from that problem into a different one. Because I agree, like, so many people have so many things and they don't prioritize them. And I'm the same way. Um, you know, I'm very much like, ooh, new shiny thing, new shiny thing, new shiny thing. But I always, I think I'm better at um, kind of bringing it back um, into, like, what is the practice that I can do today to help me either conquer this thing or produce this thing or move on to the next thing. And, um, you know, I think that skill was really valuable and it's something that I learned during my PhD work, but anyone can learn it. It's not like that I'm super smart or anything like that. It's more that, you know, I had a set time, a set amount of time to do a project and I did the project. And so learning that, that skill of actually completing something is um, mm -hmm. really important to actually like improving your ability to produce art or produce writing or use AI as a tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, you know, uh, for example, in my family, uh, my son uh, has own vision about how design needs to look. My wife has uh, her vision. I have mine, you know, and uh, quite different. Now uh, we are different people, different visions. Can you tell how you can learn customers because customers are different on many brands even two companies can uh, create similar products but customers are different so they have their unique selling proposition can you tell your approaches how to learn customers before creating this uh, art yeah i mean 
So I will say when I first started, I did it blind and I didn't have a lot of customer mm -hmm. research or anything like that. I a didn't have any money to pay for something like that. And B, I just, I don't know. I was looking for other people like me. I guess that was my customer profile, like making art that mm -hmm. I wanted to make. Um, in the pandemic, early pandemic, I started actually looking at my customer profiles. And um, because I'm a sticker artist and I was selling on Etsy, Etsy is an online marketplace. And they, even though they don't outright provide you email address, um, you get you get the person's shipping address and name or the name that they give you. And then you can find their email address. So I like literally sat down a weekend and I stalked like 25 of my customers, just the 25 most recent customers. Um, and I know that sounds creepy and maybe it's a little creepy, but you know, it was only public information. And I learned some really interesting things. Like some of my customers are actually like older college professors, which I didn't expect mm -hmm. because a lot of my artwork is um, kind of geared towards Gen Z and millennials. But I found that some like older college professors were really into it. There were like five people on my list that were like associated with academics. And so, um, you know, I think the best data you have is actually the real data you have. And if you're trying to make that first sale, um, you know, you got to you got to spend some time maybe fantasizing about your ideal customer. But you're not really going to get a good feel for what your your customer base is until you're actually making sales. And then you can use that information that you glean from, you know, like a shipping address or something like that. Um, in a quick Google search and then create a, a marketing persona from that. And then you can spend some targeted time thinking about, okay, well, they like this design. What other designs in this general um, field and brand that I have would they like? And how can I make those designs and, and then market them to those people? So that's, I mean, that's probably not the like rich person answer, but that, that's the real answer. Like you yeah. got to stalk your existing customers and figure it out. Yeah, I think that that's okay. You know, uh, all companies start from scratch uh, blindly. They don't know. Even uh, big companies like Instagram, uh, I read the history of this company. Uh, they didn't have purpose to create uh, social media uh, with uh, uh, photos, pictures, videos. They had different goal but they change minds during the way that's okay. You know, so you can start doing something and uh, switch attention to uh, what actually will work. So to uh, provide deep learning more, but yeah, we are blind when we start from scratch just by using generic methods. And I'm interested about simplicity. Can you tell how it's important to be simple in your design? You know, because I see some designs uh, look uh, nice, but it's hard to understand uh, what kind of design we have. And uh, most customers like love simplicity in text, in uh, art, anything. So any insights how to simplify as much as possible, but don't oversimplify. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so your super simple thing would, your ultimate simple sticker would be like a black and white stick figure, yeah. right? And then your most complex sticker would be kind of like a, I don't know, Da Vinci-esque, like hyper-realistic um, painting of, of a person with a very expressive mood. Um, stickers in particular, it's very important to be simple because you're only looking at a sticker for, you know, five seconds max, right? So I have um, 
I have a little gun sticker. I did not make this. I got it from someone. It says bang, right? And it's got a little thing and it says bang. You can see that instantly and you're like, oh, ha ha. It's funny because it's not a real gun. Um, and that's, that's what your brain does. And it gives you like pleasure. And so if I had this like super complex, highly detailed painting of a gun with a little white flag that said bang, well, that might eventually get the point across. You still have all these details that your eyes have to process first. And so the key with, with stickers is to really like look at it from, from a distance, right? Because if you're say putting a sticker on your water bottle, um, you're sitting at a conference table, people are going to be looking at it from five feet, um, trying to figure out what it says if they've never seen it. And so that's the the value of a sticker and same thing for car bumpers. Um, you know, like everyone has seen those bumper stickers that are way too small. And so you like almost tailgate the person to get up and read what it's trying to say. And so sticker design, it's really important to have high contrast. So that's like white and black or like a dark red and a bright yellow. And you really need big blocky text. I love using like the impact um, text, which is open source, but there's a lot of cool Google fonts that are open and blocky and all capital letters because they're very easy to read. Um, you have to uh, really cut phrases as short as you can. So like you can't have a four line Benjamin Franklin quote on your sticker. It's too long. You need like four words. Um, so like a Cheshire cat sticker that I did somewhat recently said, it's always tea time. Right. And that's about as long as you can go. You really need like one, two, three lines. So I, it's a little bit of a guessing game. And sometimes what you'll end up doing as an artist is you'll, you'll make something that's maybe a little too complex and you need to get feedback. And so I get feedback from my husband. I get feedback from my friends. I get feedback from like my public social media sometimes haven't done it in a while, but I do get feedback from folks. And I see like, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing and how can I simplify it? And so I've gone through three, four, five iterations of a design before I find something that um, really gets the message across and um, mm -hmm. does it usually in a funny way. So some of it's mm -hmm. just experience. Some of it's like literally just, again, experimentation mm -hmm. and soliciting feedback and then making the changes that people want. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, I think without testing, without experiment, it's hard to go ahead, you know, because you limit your uh, possibilities. And you remind me of Mark Zuckerberg, who told that the biggest risk is not to take the risk. You know, so we need to uh, make uh, risks in uh, business. And I'm interested about mistakes. You know, uh, in my life, I made a lot of mistakes. It's hard to count how many mistakes I made. Uh, but uh, I feel it's part of the process. I keep doing them, you know, but I can learn from my mistakes to update what I have, to go ahead, uh, to find what actually will work for me. So can you tell common mistakes that uh, artists can do by implementing AI and how to find a much better way? You know, I think there, so one big, obvious, easy to catch mistake that you're going to learn real quick if you start using uh, Midjourney to create AI um, art or other tools is um, art AI cannot make text right now. It just, it can't. Every time you, um, like if I asked it to make a, a panda holding up a sign that said help, um, it would make me a panda and it might make me a sign. And the sign will probably have text on it, but the text will definitely not say help. Um, it will probably say like H L E I 
PQ or something like that. Like it's just real bad at making text. Um, the other thing is like you don't, so copyright is a huge issue in AI and AI art generation right now. And some of those arguments are um, not founded well. They're, they don't make sense. Like, uh, you know, you see the social media stuff going around that says, oh, there's a watermark on this that AI outright stole it. And that's not exactly what AI does. Um, okay, that's not at all what AI does. But what you need to do is just be aware of that and also don't copy specific living people, right? Like it's fine for me to take in the style of Starry Night, the, the famous painting, because that dude's dead. Um, he don't care. <laughs> and uh, really, really great parodies come out of that particular art as well. I love using that one. Um, but I should not take like Ed Beard, who's a, a fantasy artist, who's, um, you know, done a lot of cool, like Dungeons and Dragons stuff and try specifically to copy him because that's his style. And if I want to copy his style, so to speak, I should be doing it by hand. I shouldn't be using AI to do that. Um, and the other thing too, is there's kind of two categories of art that you always have to keep in mind as a sticker artist or a popular artist of any sort. Like there's the art that you want to make. And then there's the art that you can actually sell. And very often they don't overlap. Um, mm -hmm. And so you just need to be clear with yourself. Like if you really want to make that art, make it. You should. Art is fun. Um, use Midjourney to make it if you want. Draw it by hand if you want. But don't expect it to sell. If you're making something to sell, then you need to be strategic about like the contrast, the text, whether or not there's any copyright infringement what audience it will be, um, whether or not it'll sell, how you're going to release it, all those sorts of things. And so there's there's like two categories. And as long as you're clear about it, it's fine. And I say the same thing to writers too. Like if you've always wanted to be a fantasy author and you've never written more than a hundred words, but you fantasize about it all the time, that's fine. That's like your thing. That's for you. That's fun. If you want to sell a fantasy novel, then you actually need to like, figure out the plot, figure out how it's going to stand out, figure out your marketing plan and actually write the damn thing. And so like, you know, there's always just that conflict with creatives, like across any industry uh, between what you want to make and what will make you money. And so understanding that helps you avoid those mistakes and avoid that disappointment that comes with you sinking hours into a piece because you're really excited about it. And then you get really disappointed when it doesn't do well financially. Nice, valuable, valuable. Okay, let's talk about your background. I can see a dog, uh, but you know, my attention got uh, books, a bunch of books that you have. Can you tell uh, what kind of books you like to read and how these books can help you to be more creative in your business? Ooh, um, so I would say the books behind me are actually, uh, they tend to be the books that I collect. Um, which doesn't necessarily mean that I read them a lot, but like the ones right behind my head are coding books and nature books. There's a lot of field guides there. The ones uh, in the middle are kind of like popular science. So that big black one is humans, which is that humans of New York dudes art book, which is really cool. Um, and I've got some other like comic books and cartoons in there. And then the, the stuff on the far side are all like religion and philosophy and sociology. Um, you know, I work in the environment uh, space from nine to five. And so you'll notice actually that a lot of my art does not have to do with the environment. 
it's because I'm working in it all the time. And it's not that I don't love trees. I just don't want to draw them after I, you know, work on them all week. And so the things that really refresh me and refresh my thinking are, um, I'll do popular, uh, popular psychology and popular sociology books. Um, some people think it's homework. I think it's fascinating. I love, um, you know, reading about what makes humans tick. Um, I do like poetry. Although I always get weirded out when we have like group, group poetry reading sessions. I don't know. It's not my thing. Um, I, sp I spend a lot of time on, uh, or I used to spend a lot of time on like self-help and productivity books, but I found that they actually tend to uh, just distract me from actually doing this stuff and get me like thinking about systems instead. And while systems thinking is somewhat useful, it's also like, you know, just a big waste of time at some point. I'd rather just do the thing. Um, I really like fantasy and sci-fi books. Um, I, I like history. I used to like romance novels a lot until I figured out their format. So romance novels follow a very specific format with the protagonistic conflict and everything. And then they kind of lost their appeal. So I don't know. I, I don't read as much as I'd like to, but I probably read more than other folks. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom's rule was if I could carry it, I could check it out of the library. So I was this like eight year old with a stack of books, like taller than my face. But as long as I could get it into the car, it was fine. Um, and of course, you know, I grew up and got a job and reading's harder, but I, I really appreciate the chance to like rest and create with, um, with reading because you can't, you can't just create all the time. You have to like fill up your inner reservoir too, and use it to kind of like generate stuff. So I don't know. I think reading is really critical. And I also, I, I implement to, uh, a no digital screen rule after about eight or 9 PM. Um, it's been weird with the time change, but I try really hard to not touch my phone, not touch my computer and not have the TV on. Yeah. Um, and so I'll write, I'll play Sudoku or I'll read. I do, I do touch my Kindle to read, but it's an e-ink screen. So, you know, it doesn't do bad things to your eyes, but that yeah. has been really like central to my well-being as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's my dream. You know, it's my dream to, uh, tune off my iPhone on Friday evening and uh, tune on on Monday morning. <laughs> but I can't, I can't because so many questions, so many things to do. And yeah, it's digital. Okay, Sam, I have the question about, you know, I have some students in my network who are looking for ways to uh, become, uh, to get, uh, oh, I don't know, like to create their businesses, uh, to become a PhD as you uh, have the status. Can, can you tell, for example, if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, what will you do today to learn more about uh, art and AI? Um, so if I had $10, I would sign up for MidJourney. Uh, Midjourney is the easiest to learn AI tool out there. It's going to get you your experience. Um, you know, to start a business nowadays, to start an e-commerce business, you don't really need any money, um, except like if you need to pay for a tool. But there are usually tons of free options AI aside. Like there's PhotoP for um, a Photoshop clone, or there's Affinity products, which are a one-time fee instead of monthly also as a Photoshop alternative. Um, but the things that I would learn would be a, how to use mid journey, because obviously that's critical for AI. Um, B how to use Photoshop. You don't have to be an ex expert, but you need to know how to clean backgrounds. 
up and scale up and what the different scaling ups do to stuff and, um, you know, how to modify text. Very, very basic stuff. And then um, for sticker artists specifically or um, people who are doing prints, stuff like that, you're going to need to um, probably do some mock-ups of some sort. So you can either pay for those or you can make your own, again, with a Photoshop clone or something like that. Um, so some of these some of these are straight tech skills. Some of them are knowledge skills. None of them really take a lot of money. Um, they just take time. And, you know, I was up and running in three weekends when I was when I first decided to, like, learn how to draw and actually make stuff that people would buy. It took me three weekends of work. It's really not very much. And that was, you know, in between pet care. Uh, my camera keeps moving because of my cat. Um, yeah, I can see. You it. know, like it, it doesn't take much, but it really takes passion and um, a little bit of focus. And so, like, if I had to start over from from scratch, I would immediately just go straight to learning about the AI tools, learning the hard tech skills that I need to learn, and then like producing something. My end goal would be to be producing something and posting it. And I would probably choose um, Redbubble, TeePublic, which are two print-on-demand sites, or Etsy um, with a print-on-demand supplier if I didn't have any equipment, which I do now. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, great, great. Love it, love it. Sam, and my final question about the future. Uh, can you uh, forecast, predict what kind of future will be considering that we have AI today and people are worried that AI can replace human being so uh and your tips uh, how to adapt how to adapt today to to this future yeah i mean so when i think about ai and i don't know that this is an original thought but i think about like self-checkouts um you know i may have read that somewhere in someone else's ai commentary but i remember when i was younger and self-checkouts started coming into being they were like oh, this is going to replace all the jobs. Our workers aren't going to have any employment, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think it's replaced jobs. And I, I'm pretty confident in saying that because like, for example, with the pandemic, a lot of those front of house workers were moved to, to back of house in retail to process and fill delivery orders and pickup orders. Um, and you know, the same thing happened with self-checkout. They had more people in the aisles to ask you if you needed help. Um, they had more people able to manage stock. I really don't think they reduce the workforce substantially. And I think the same is true for AI. I think your job is at risk because of AI. If you do something related to information work, um, knowledge work, that um, that is stupid simple and key point, you are obstinate about AI. You're like, AI is the devil. I'm never going to touch it. So the thing that's going to happen with those of us who are learning to use AI, be it in art or video or text, is that we're going to get a lot faster. Because like if I'm using AI to write, which I do, then my creative energy goes into editing and proofreading and optimizing for SEO and marketing, right? Like that's where my creative juices are going. I don't have to spend four years, <laughs> four days writing an article about old growth forest when Jasper can do it for me. And then I can fact check and put in my own um, spin as conservation scientists at a nonprofit and then like move on to more things. And so my productivity is going way through the roof because of AI. And so, you know, I think that 
for everyone learning about AI and the limitations and how to access it and bringing it to your employer and being like, hey, this is a tool we can use. Here's how. And being that leader is going to be your best bet at kind of like resisting the the AI um, uh, avalanche, I guess. And, you know, again, like chat GPT is cool, but like I said earlier, AI is a liar. Um, they call it hallucinating, which I'm not, I don't like that term. I just realized that's what they meant when they said AI is hallucinating. I, I like mine better that AI is a liar, but like AI can't tell fact from fiction. Um, it's very easy to trick AI and maybe it won't be so easy in the future, but we're always going to need human eyes on stuff. And so what we need to do as humans is really develop our attention to detail, to pick out when AI is lying and fix it. And, uh, also be good stewards of that AI process because a lot of what people are using AI for is like repetitive tasks that take a lot of time and are expected of us, but aren't necessarily like why we do the job we want to do. So I think about like, I don't know, social media copy, like everyone want everyone. Some people want to read it. They want to see posts from your organization, but no one wants to write it. No one wants to write six different versions of trees are cool for an environmental nonprofit. Right. So that's a great use case for Jasper. And it's not that my social media manager colleague is going to get fired for it um, so that AI can do it because someone still has to take those and put them, you know, into the social media and schedule them and follow comments and all that stuff. So, you know, I don't think anyone's losing their job for AI yet. And Midjourney actually has a really cool, um, I respect this deeply, uh, limit on their site where if you're a business owner and you make more than a million dollars, you have to pay for their upgraded business subscription. Um, and you're not allowed to use their generator to produce art. And so that blocks like the New Yorker, for example, for using AI generated art from Midjourney, unless they pay a much higher license fee. Um, and so that, that higher level of entry for very large businesses is also like a good thing to that I think will prevent some of that job loss. But I don't know, like even AI art, it produces flat images. It doesn't produce beautiful Photoshop layered images that you can then take and manipulate. It's like one flat 1000 by 1000 pixel image. And so like you still need an artist to, to clean that up. And so if you're an artist looking at AI and getting scared, I think what you need to ask yourself is, can I be that facilitator between AI and the finished product and how can I make myself indispensable? Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Awesome, awesome. Sam, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how, uh, I don't know, any places where you like to spend time so they can get more insights uh, Yeah, from you. <laughs> yeah, um, so my art, my, br my art brand is called Non-Binary Designs. So it's like non-binary, but you put B in there instead. Um, and then my... Uh, reflections about like the sticker business and AI and all those sorts of things can generally be found in uh, sticker crypt, which is my brand stickercrypt.com. So between those two brands, you should be able to find me. I know I have a super generic name, um, but if you throw PhD at the end of it, so if you type in Sam Davis PhD, you'll find me. Um, I'm really good at getting my name all over the internet, whether I want it there or not. So it's very easy to contact me. I always love to talk to people either about trees for my day job or about art for my, my, my business and my hobby. 
Um, and AI, I, I love AI. So I'm, I'm always down to talk to folks. Nice, nice. Awesome. Guys, you can find the links to Sam Davis in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Love all your valuable insights. So valuable, guys. You need to follow Sam. You need to reach out to him and tell that you found this stuff on this podcast. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.